Good morning. Please be ready at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I planned something for us today, clearly taught in Scripture, knowing that that's what you expect. I admire you for that. Churches composed of faithful Christians, whether those churches are what we call large or small, expect their preachers to come to the pulpit every time with what is clearly taught in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We read and study and learn with a view toward better spiritual living when we leave this building. Here's what I want to do in 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to give you an abbreviated view of the section. And then I want to spend most of my time with a part of that section. So what is here in this paragraph that I do not bring up today, I will preach on or teach about some other time. My concentration will be on a part of this section I'm going to read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 11. I think there are passages like this all through the New Testament. 
And here's what you could do with those passages. You could take a piece of paper and write at the very top, Christians are people who. And then you could let the passage fill in the blanks. So let's do that. Christians are people who have decided not to give in to the flesh, but to live for the will of God, even if we are maligned. So, shape that out now. We will be controlled and sober-minded, loving one another, showing hospitality, using our gifts, and speaking the oracles of God. And why do we do all of this? Why is this so important? That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So, you see that's a quick rundown of that paragraph, the whole section. That's the larger sermon from the Holy Spirit written by the Apostle Peter. I think this captures the main idea and expresses in challenging and practical terms what every one of us should be involved in. The main idea, challenging Christians to become engaged as specified here for this purpose, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, we could go home right here, but let's devote some more time to this. And I said a moment ago, there would be a specific part of this that I would bring to the surface for our consumption. There are obvious applications all through 1 Peter chapter 4 that capture our attention. Reject a life of fleshly indulgence. Live for the will of God. Self-controlled sobriety. Love one another. Be generous. And speak the oracles of God. All of that is there for us. But I want you to focus on this part of this whole. Just a part of the whole. Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Here's what I want to address from this passage. And I want to frame this in a personal way for me and for each of you. What I have received from God, I must use to serve others to the best of my ability. What I have received from God, I must use to serve others to the best of my ability. Let me give you a time-limited historical context for that an application of it that is time-limited, and then I'll move to the rest of us. The time-limited application of this would be in the time of the apostles, when God gave the apostles and a few other Christians certain special gifts and abilities. And they were to use those to serve, ultimately, 
that God be glorified. Do you remember what happened in the church at Corinth? One of the problems in Corinth was using those God-given gifts to glorify the user rather than the giver. That was a problem in Corinth. Using God-given gifts to glorify the user and actually be competitive about it rather than to glorify the giver. So there's a principle here. When we use what God has given us, we must do that with the highest purpose, that God may be glorified. That's what good stewards do. When Peter wrote this, and today and forever, good stewards use what God has given us, whatever it might be, to serve others, and we do that to His glory. That's the simple application. So what I have received from God in my life, I will use those blessings to serve others, not for my glory, not to compete with anybody, but that God may be glorified. I'm going to give you three examples of that in just a moment, but I want to emphasize the point. What I have received from God in my life I must use those blessings to serve others, to serve and equip my children, to grant a rich spiritual legacy to my children's children, and to make every effort to serve others by using what God has given me. God has been gracious to us. Now, as good stewards... We ought to be gracious and generous to each other and to those who will step into our place when we are gone and to all the people that we encounter in our lives. What God has given you, you should use to serve others. I've got three examples. God has given us the gospel. It is referred to in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 as the gospel of God. God has given us the gospel. Are we taking what God has given us and using that, giving that to others in our family, in our community, in all of our friendships and relationships? Are we taking what God has given us, this message and giving this to others. During a meeting one time, many years ago, I was in the home of a man, his wife and son, and they invited me generously for a meal in their home. The young man was there for a few weeks during a college break. And the young man was polite. He introduced himself. Then he went back off to his room. And immediately, the father spoke to me after the young, men, young man left. He said, I'm really concerned about my son. He has never obeyed the gospel. The father said, we took him to church. 
He heard sermons. He attended classes. But he has never obeyed the gospel. And I said to the father, well, what does he say when you bring up the subject? And there was silence. He had never talked to his son about obeying the gospel. About that time, the wife called us into the table and the young man returned and we all sat down to enjoy the meal together. And after prayer, during the meal, the father and son engaged in a lively conversation about NBA basketball season. They knew teams and statistics and players and standings and it became apparent that father and son connected on this subject of basketball. The father had apparently made little or no effort to connect with his son on this subject, but they connected on the subject of basketball. My point is simple. God gave us the saving message of the gospel. Will we give it to others? Will we take what God has granted to us and give it to others, especially in our families, our children, our grandchildren? So, to make this challenging for me and for you, how many non-Christians did you talk to last week? In your contact list for email, how many are not Christians? In your neighborhood, in your social media contacts, on Facebook, your family, do you tell them what God told you about how to have eternal life? What I have received from God, I need to use to serve others to the best of my ability. Are we giving to others what God gave to us? Are we telling the next generation? Are we talking to our children and our grandchildren about Christ? Do we bring this up when we visit with our co-workers, our neighbors? God gave us the message of salvation are we giving the message he gave us to others example number two do you believe God has helped you in your life look back over your life and take a quick inventory consider the storms God enabled you to survive the temptations you overcame through the strength of His Word and the power of the example of Christ. Do you believe God has helped you in your life? Is He helping you now to understand and do those things written in this section of First Peter chapter 4? Aren't we all recipients of help from God? Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. And of course I know your answer. Each of us rejoice 
when we admit God has helped us. We have prayed and He has answered. We have sought wisdom through His Word and we have received that wisdom we need. In so many ways, some perhaps unknown to us, God has given us exactly the help we need. The Apostle Paul spoke of this in Acts 26, 22. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. Can't we all say that? Every Christian can say this. We have been blessed in life with the help that comes from God. Here's the question. Are we passing that on to others? God has helped me in so many ways. So my personal challenge is, how can I pass on that help to others? Can I talk to people about how much help they can find in God? God is my helper. Am I a helper of others? Are we giving to others what God gave us? And there may be specific ways I can help maybe young folks. Peculiar to my set of talents and skills that would be different from your set of talents and skills. I need to assess myself. What are my skills and talents? What are yours? We are not all equipped in the same ways with the same skills and resources. What have I learned in my personal experience about serving God that I can share with others that would help them? There may be some area where I can be helpful that is peculiar to my set of skills and experience and the same for you. And that goes directly to our text. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How can you help? How can you give? God has given me the gospel. I need to give it to others. God has certainly helped me in many ways. Can I be like my heavenly Father in that regard? This is how you become active as good stewards of the grace of God. And what's it all about? that God may be glorified. It blesses us. It blesses those we help. But primary in all of this we're talking about, God is glorified. Example number three. Encouragement. I'm going to Romans 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. God wants us to take 
the encouragement that we have received from Scripture and use that for others. Notice in verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So we take the encouragement we have received from Scripture and we use that and pass it on to others. When everything the Bible says about God is taken into account, I mean the most comprehensive appreciation of God's varied forms of generosity, we are encouraged. We have hope as an anchor of the soul. We have in Christ every spiritual blessing we need. We have every good and perfect gift on and on. And the result of all that generosity for his people is we are encouraged. And so I need to ask us, if God encourages us, shouldn't we be devoted to encouraging each other? And of course the answer is yes. Now, here is a challenging and perhaps convicting part of what I'm saying. As we age, and a few of us are, there may be some tendency to become an old, grumpy, negative complainer. When your body doesn't work exactly the way it did when you were 25. When you see things in the world that you never thought you'd see in various forms of evil and injustice and indifference, maybe some of it close to home. We get tired. We may have our own personal regrets. Body and mind suffers through the aging process well described by Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12. So, if we are not well disciplined Instead of encouraging others and encouraging the next generation, we discourage them through our habits of grouchy, testy, negative bemoaning. God gives us abundant encouragement and He says He loves a cheerful giver. Two examples. In Ecclesiastes 3.13, we can eat and drink and take pleasure in our work. Solomon says, this is God's gift to man. James 4 in verse 6, God gives more grace. My application is, if God has encouraged me in my life, am I encouraging my children, my grandchildren, and others I'm able to influence in the next generation or in my generation. And here's what the Lord said about all this giving business in Luke 6:38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with 
the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's the spiritual value of being generous and encouraging others as God has provided so much encouragement for me and for you. And that brings us right back to the text. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Never think of this text or this presentation this morning without highlighting the purpose that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's purpose. That's ultimate purpose. This is what it's all about, that in everything we may glorify God through Jesus Christ. If you're not living under the beauty and the authority of this purpose, if you're not giving what God gave you, if you are not fully engaged in living a good spiritual legacy and influence, you cannot finish strong. You start to finish strong the moment you believe in Christ, confessing that faith, you turn from your sin, you were baptized into Christ to walk in newness of life. Ideally, your determination as you come up from the water of baptism is to finish strong, to keep the faith and be ready for the crown of righteousness because you took what God gave you and you used that to serve Him and to serve others. As each has received a gift, use it. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let's be standing as we sing.